This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But I, the fact is, a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially as you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing? In order, you know, that that would make it better. Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is, is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or they, it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Join Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 516, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. It was Christmas Eve, babe, in the drunk time, an old man said to me, won't see another one And then he sang to me The red old mountain dew I turned my face away And dreamed about you Got on a lucky one Came in 18 to 1 I got a feeling this year's for me and you So happy Christmas I love you baby I can see a better time When all our dreams come true They've got cars, big as bars, they've got rivers of gold And the wind goes right through you, it's no place for the old When you first took my hand on a cold Christmas Eve You promised me Broadway was waiting for me You were handsome, you were pretty, the queen of New York City When the band finished playing, they howled out for more Sinatra was swinging, the drunks were all singing We kissed on a corner and danced through the night the boys of the NYPD choir were singing Galway Bay, and the bells were ringing out for Christmas Day. 
Hello, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 516, my old area code. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Josh Flanagan. Sup? We are from iFanboy, where we are living, teetering on the edge of death's door. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> make it but, stop. But despite that, uh, we are still reading the week's comics that come out every week, and then one of us picks their favorite book and comes here and calls that the pick of the week, and we talk about that, as well as the other books that came out, our, me- our various medications. Uh, we can we talk all, about that if you want. We're, we're old and, and talk about our medication and diagnoses. I got, I, got a, I, got a, I got a pill set for like every point of the day I take a pill. This is like what it's like to be elderly. Welcome. Welcome to the, welcome to the, uh, the elite AARP, Connor. I'm so excited. No offense to any of our senior citizen listeners out there. We love you. Um, okay, so this is uh, this is you a review that. show. That this, is a re- this is a review show, and we're going to talk about what happens in the books. So if you haven't read uh, your comics yet, we're going to spoil uh, some of the plots. So you might want to press pause and come back and, and listen later on after you read your books. If you've read your books, uh, Connor's going to tell us about his last pick of the week for 2015. Guys, this was a hard week. Is this the last? This is the last show of the year, right? Yes, the last pick show of the year. All right, last pick of the week. Why was it a hard week? Uh, well, I ended up in the emergency room. <laughs> um, oh, we're just talking in general. In a foreign, I, I totally forgot about that part. In another that. state, um, <laughs> got diagnosed with pneumonia, which was great. Spent a lot of time in doctors and pharmacies, and coughing and not sleeping. So when I read my comics on Wednesday, wait a minute. So what you're saying? You're in the perfect position to read a Grant Morrison comic book. Yes, yes, and I was actually, <laughs> I needed that escape. I was looking, really looking forward to those comics because I just needed to think about something other than all the shit coughing up out of my lungs. And uh, so the pick of the week ended up being Klaus number two, which is from Boom Studios. We, Grant Morrison is the writer, we just said, and Dan Moore is the artist. And we talked about Klaus one last, uh, I don't think it was a month ago because it feels like, it, or maybe it was. My sense of time is all gone now. I just, it's all just coughing in the couch at this point. Um, <laughs> Klaus is Grant Morrison's reimagined origin for Santa Claus. And Ron and I discussed how we weren't sure how we felt about this. As people who really love Christmas, we didn't necessarily need. I'm going to say love Santa. Well, Santa too, man. Who doesn't love fucking Santa? Jeez. Whoa. I don't, I don't, wait a minute. I don't, I never signed up to fuck Santa. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> we love Christmas, and then, and coming with that, love Santa. You love Santa Claus. Yes. And we didn't need a sort of modern, you know, the, the modern day version of a origin retelling. Is you take something, usually kids' property, and you make it all grim and gritty and full of blood. And we didn't necessarily need that on this this Christmas season when we were all dying, our last Christmas, as it were. Yeah. Um, but I uh, gave you my heart. Was that grim? The very that... next day, you gave an infection and took it away. Was that a grim thing? Um. So, uh, but we actually really liked the first first issue. It wasn't so grim and gritty. It actually was kind of fun and sweet. I mean, you know, there was, there was some action and stuff, but it wasn't actually that bad. And Klaus number two, I ended up really just liking for that very reason because, all right, so in the, in, in the you know in the, in the first issue, uh, we, we, we're gonna we're gonna call him Santa Claus. We made this decision last month. We're gonna do it. We can do it again. Santa Claus <laughs> arrives at this town uh, that no longer celebrates Christmas. The kids are no longer allowed to have toys. And there's no joy in Mudville. Mud Sorry, Bell. I couldn't help it. That's okay. Same joke as last last one. We'll, we'll we'll keep rolling with everything. It's the last show. Gives a fuck. I'm not gonna make it to the next show, so who cares? Um, <laughs> the uh, 
the uh, you know the town is not allowed to experience joy really anymore, and it's all because the tyrant and the, and uh, king and his son wants all the toys, wants no other kids to have fun if he's not having fun. And so he went off in the woods and became imbued with some power. And while he was quite frankly tripping on whatever power that was, he built a lot of toys. And so in this issue, he returns to the town with his toys to give out to the kids. But he has to sneak into the town, and he has to beat up some guards. He's got to be basically like a ninja. He's got to do this awesome thing with a snowball that turns into a big giant snowball that lands on these guards' heads. And uh, then the kids of the town wake up to find toys at their doorstep, and they're all excited, and the parents are freaking out because they know they're not allowed to have toys. And then the kid in the tower, the castle, sees they've got toys, and it's all a big problem. Um, but uh, now Santa Claus is in town. And I really... This had a nice, sweet side while also being really fun and sort of action adventure. It feels very much... Like an all ages story, Ron. Am I crazy? Am I on a lot of pills? No, no. I think you're spot on. I think that. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I mean, that, it doesn't I, seem I actually, like it's going to be. Like it, it doesn't. It like, oh, this is going to be all violent. Then you're like, oh, I guess it wasn't. It's fine. Right. I, mean, I, I mean, he beats up people and stuff, but you know. yeah, yeah, but, but he but, doesn't but kill like, anybody, and it looks like he's about to. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and, it's, and it's no, I mean, in this kind of Game of Thronesy and kind of, you know, medieval interest in terms of stories and things like that, it fits right in with that. I mean, you got, you got a castle, you got castle guards, you got walls, you got, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, and it's, it, while it's, there's violence, it's not, it's not hyper-violent. It's not yeah. over-violent. This, I mean, isn't, I think, this isn't like, uh, I don't even think there's any blood, is there? No, I don't think so either. And I, I think that, and and like I found myself really like getting into it with this issue and like rooting for him. And yeah. the thing, the thing is, that, you know, it's kind of as ridiculous as it might be uh, to the the idea of you know a young Santa Claus who you know still has a dark you know dark hair to, you know whether it's black or whatever beard you know like he doesn't have the white hair and the white beard we know of yet you know but like to see him with the red kind of cape and the red kind of hat and, yeah. and you know climbing the wall with a bag full of toys and you know like it kind of like I got into it I got I was like all right yeah I, I see I get it now like the first issue I didn't quite get it and the first issue had that weird Grant Morrison Peter Milligan uh, peyote trip right. moment, you know. But this issue didn't have any of that. This issue was just pure Batman esque stealth action. And he dispatched a guard with a snow- with a snowman. So yeah, which was great. A, a big guard too, like a their their big their biggest uh, their biggest dude. And even Ivan. And like Batman, he he, or I guess more like Zorro, he defaces the signs in town with a sigil for joy. So really, this is just this was the book that made me the happiest. There was a lot of actually read a lot of really great books this week, but uh, this was the one that put a smile on my face uh, at a time I really needed one, and so that is why Klaus number two is the pick of the week. Now let's talk quickly about its release schedule, okay? Because this is a six issue miniseries, right? So I it's guess, gonna end. It's gonna end in the summer, <laughs> right? Don't you think they should have started it earlier and had it sort of end around Christmas instead of it well, kicking off? In November and ending in what April or May? This isn't the first time Grant has done a Christmas themed story that did not end by Christmas, and so yeah. it's just, this is familiar territory. I'm sure the the uh, the road of comic book publishing is paved with good intentions. So. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Or do, uh, don't do six issues. Do three. Yeah. And have it in well, in January. Yeah. Well, you get, I mean, the idea is to get it out, and then next Christmas this will be a great trade paperback, a great hardcover, or something like that to do. So. Look at it, thinking like an industry professional still. No, no. Well, you gotta know, go a long game. That's the thing, yeah. You know, it's it's, it's, it's it, the issues are, are transient. It's the it's the book publishing that's gonna have the have, have the, it's a marathon, not a sprint. 
So, I liked the but, Dan Moore art a lot too. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is growing on me. I know we were talking about that last week, and we we're talking about the talent vacuum when it comes to artists, mm-hmm. and you know, we're seeing a lot of names that are newer names that people don't kind of recognize, and and it's great to see people kind of getting chances to you know kind of spread their wings and show what they can do, and uh, it is really growing on me. I think after the series, I'm going to keep an eye on what this guy does next. Yep. He's right for it. Yes, he's yeah. one of those things where yeah, it seem it seems like an odd pairing for Grant Morrison specifically. But not for not wrong for the story, if that makes sense. Right. right. So it could. Uh, I, what I thought would be a contender for pick of the week would Superman American Alien number two. I really loved the first issue, in which uh, we it was sort of a. It, this is sort of built as an anthology series of Superman stories. It's the moments in his life that were important, and it's written by uh, what's his name? Max Landis. Max Landis. And the first issue was drawn by Nick Dragota, and there's going to be a different artist with every issue. And this one was Tommy Lee Edwards who. Is fantastic. Wow. So for some reason, I am just completely blind to this title. Like I, I missed it when it, it came out, the first issue, and I missed it this week. It's now funny because the covers are very like they they stand out a great deal. Yes. Yeah, and for some reason, I just completely went. You know, I went to the comic book shop. I looked online. Like I just completely didn't even see it, and now I'm bummed I, because I I really liked I really liked the uh, what's it called the. Um, um, uh, the first issue. I thought the first issue was, was fantastic. Podcasting. All right, so Tom Lee Edwards is the artist, and he's fantastic, and he's, he's an great. artist I don't see enough of. And actually, he's he'd be perfect to do the, every issue of this series. He really gets that that old Smallville feeling down, and his his work is so lived in. You know, there's such an uh, atmosphere to the to the to the panels and the pages that you you really get the, the the setting really well. You really get a sense of Smallville, the downtown area, the farms, and everything. Now the problem. Here is that uh, this issue was actually really hyper violent, and uh, I didn't end up liking it very much. Uh, it started off very sweetly with a young teenage Clark and Lana in a diner as Lana, Lana tutors him in French, and there's a little bit of flirting going on. It was all really great, but then a bunch of ruffians come to town, rob a convenience store, kill the clerk, kill the people that are in the in the store. And what was weird about this issue was number one. Everybody seems to know that Clark has powers in town, which wasn't established in the first issue. But now the kids he's hanging around with know, the sheriff knows. And I thought that's a weird, A, that's a weird choice. B, that's a weird choice to make with no explanation whatsoever. Well, that's also, that's kind of similar to the new paradigm in the new world of, of, you know, like Arrow and the Flash on TV where there's like 90 people who know who they are and what they're, you know, and what they're doing, right? Right. And they seem to be phasing out Sukh identities, which I think is a huge, huge mistake. That's a, that's a, that's a a modern, that's a question of whether or not secret identities work in this modern storytelling world anymore. Uh, I think, I mean, I'm trying to get a handle on what this is. This isn't supposed to, this isn't supposed to fit in with... The Superman as we know, is it? It's more like it's an Elseworlds kind just, of thing? It's just a Max Landis book. It's not yeah, really... and, and that's totally fine. But so, it sounds like they're just saying, what do you, you know, what would, how would you tell your story of, of Clark growing up? Mm-hmm. And so, I think it's reasonable to say that, you know, through this view of Superman's world, this is a small town. You know, it, it's hard to keep secrets in small towns. I don't, I don't know if they have social media yet in the small town or, or what. You know, but... You know, people talk. Things get around. It's hard to keep secrets. You know, so and so is dating somebody. Uh, you know, well, this this is a theme that's going to come up as we talk about uh, Huck later on in the show. Yeah, it does feel very much like Huck in that uh, they all know, but it just seems yeah. an odd change to make with a, with no explanation, which I guess is. I, I mean, but this is the explanation. They're just saying this is the reality of this this one. Right. And you know, Superman cutting off dudes' arms. 
that's an odd change to me. That was a much bigger change to me. Well, yeah, that was the second part was when he con- actually ends up confronting the thugs. He he uh, eye beams, heat visions off one of the Doom's arms. Now, he doesn't necessarily do it on purpose. It does, uh, I mean, but like... You know, he, if if you're going with the metaphor for puberty, you know, you know, he's in control. He's bald. He's not in control. He's in a ball of hormones. Which, by the way, if you're not human, I don't know that that actually would sync up exactly with teenage years. But whatever. Um, you know, it it all works as a as a as a version of Superman's story. I mean, I get. It's almost more likely that that would happen than not. It's interesting that they ha- he he can get hurt, but not badly hurt. Like he's yeah, bleeding. And they, sh- you know, and it looks like it looks like the bullets pierce his skin, but not his bones. I don't, it's like, kind of like Wolverine. I don't know. It, it, it has taken a hard right turn quicker than I thought it would. And and but are, are you? But you really like the first issue, so is it turning you off? Or? Yeah, I'm st- I'm going to read the next one. Um, the to- according to the little DCPR interview in the back of the book, <laughs> uh, or the, the ones that have been in the back of the book, each issue has a d- distinct tone to it. So maybe this is the. Only one, but then again, I see from the little one-page uh, story that Doc Shaner drew in the back that Doomsday is coming. Uh. So, listen, I love Superman, and I'm I'm desperate to get some Superman stories that I can enjoy. So I'm gonna give us at least one more issue. Those Doc Shaner pages look great. Yes, is he that doing pace. the next issue? Or I assume that's what that means. He's great. He's yeah, I, I, that, that's great. But I like Tommy Edwards too. I don't know. Tommy Edwards is wonderful. Yeah, it's, I, it's I just one, feel like, it's one artist per issue. That's fine. Yeah, That's, yeah, and I feel and I feel like Max Landis is a writer who is not not I don't want to say desperately, but he's trying to make a name for himself in his approach in terms of what he does. Right. right. He has uh, a very distinct viewpoint, which is good. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And and it comes across in his the movies he writes as well as now the you know the comics and that sort of thing. So I, I mean, I would expect something that he writes to take a character, a well known character like Superman, to be challenging towards what you know and what you think of the character. Well, the thing yes. is, I I feel like people expect it to not like this, and I'm reading it. I'm like, look, it's it's interesting at least. Right, at the very least, and I don't think it's poorly done. It's no, not it's, at all. It's, it's, just, it's a take, you know. Yeah. And See, that, Clark has some very problem. sensuous lips. Whoa, hey, in this hey, one. hey, now. In oh, this one. well then. So right. I, I don't, I don't associate Tommy Lee Edwards with sensuous lips. But look at that! Look at that second page. Look at those! Look at those lips. There's no wonder Alana's all about inviting him over when her parents are gone. <laughs> hey, just a small town boy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, did either of you guys read uh, Squadron Supreme number one? No, no, no. I've never uh, read a Squadron Supreme book in my life. I, I would advise you to go take a look at this. You would or you wouldn't? I would. I would. Okay. For uh, for ironic is... reasons, because that's the tone of voice you've got going right. Well, now. I, I, I'm saying. Let's let's just say this was not this is this okay. So this this brought up a lot of questions that I did. It was not what I expected. Uh, so it is James Robinson and Leonard Kirk uh, working together, uh-huh. uh, and we've seen Leonard. We've enjoyed Leonard Kirk's work when he was doing Captain Britain, and you know he's a, a solid, solid guy. And of course, a long storied history of comics by James Robinson. Uh, so this is post Secret Wars, right? And wait, weren't they a team on a book? They were a team on. Uh, what, what book? What, the, the Invaders book he, he did, wasn't it? That might, you might be correct, yeah. Um, Not important. Continue. Yeah, but uh, he is, it's funny because I was just typing into Google, I typed James Robinson Leonard and it autofilled Cohen. And then I thought, oh wow, what would a James Robinson Leonard Cohen collaboration be like? But also, <laughs> why is that autofilling like that? I know, it's from, oh, they worked on Fantastic Four together. Fantastic Four, that was what it the was. Fantastic Four that nobody read. I read it. Did you like it? Yes. 
Okay. Um, so the squadron. Yeah, your, yes. your your yes sounded just like his. You should read. No, this. I did. Also, <laughs> I, re- I realized I, I talked about it when you were not around anymore. Ron. You, right, well, you had you left. Go. You had left us, and uh, that's when I talked about it. I left you. Um, so yeah, but so so this is a post Secret Wars. Uh, uh, story right, so the, the it's and actually on the opening page on the on the recap page it does say eight months later. So there's that eight months after Secret Wars ended kind of time jump, and uh, what uh, what uh, Robinson has done in terms of assembling this team is that he's taken so the Su- Squadron Supreme has been introduced uh, through various different. Earths in the multi multiverse, right? There was the Squadron Supreme from the '60s that was the original one. Then there was the Supreme Power one that JMS did that was in the Max line that got folded in, right? I believe there was also one in the Ultimate Universe. Then, Isn't then, this the version of the Justice League? Well, yeah. Originally, Squadron Supreme was an amalgam to the Justice League was a was a way to fold in the Justice League to fight the Avengers without actually doing a crossover at DC. So you had a Hyperion was like Superman and Nighthawk was like Batman, and you know you had all those kind of those uh, those uh, what's those templates, yeah, right, you know. Right, right. And but over the years, the the characters have evolved, and and some some creators have told some very very interesting stories with these characters. Um, and what James Robinson now is doing is that he's taking these different versions of the characters, including like the Hyperion that was in Hickman's Avengers run. Remember there was a Hyperion on that team? No, um, I didn't read it. Well, there was. Uh, and uh, the Nighthawk from JMS's Supreme Power run and just basically taking a different uh, a different version of the character from the different multiverse and putting them together as a, as a team. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's an interesting premise. And then uh, for some reason, and I don't quite understand why, they're all very angry at Namor. They all – they're very angry at Namor. And so they come together as a team and the motivation is to attack Atlantis and to give Namor back what he got. Because I guess Namor I, – actually, I do know why. It's because Namor was uh, part of the, the, the people who were destroying the planets before Secret Wars. And they blame Namor for destroying their worlds basically. Um, which is weird because do people remember what happened before Secret Wars or not? Like we don't – I don't know the rules of the universe at this point. But so basically you've got this badass kind of uh, Justice League-esque uh, team who's bringing the fight to Namor. And they go to Atlantis and they fight, fight, fight. And at one point Hyperion dives underwater and picks the city of Atlantis up and throws it. Hmm. Thus destroying Atlantis. Which then, uh, of course, upsets Namor very much because uh, they've destroyed his city. And they make the point, yeah, but you destroyed our planets. And then uh, they chop Namor's head off. I feel like this should be bigger news. Right, exactly. Which leads to my question that, is this in continuity? Did it happen? Is is this all a dream? No, no, I mean, it happened. I know it happened. I read it. But like... And then at the at the end of the issue, uh, Steve Rogers is uh, the Uncanny Avengers kind of show up, which makes me think that this does this is happening in the real world. And so, like, did Namor just die in this issue? Did they just kill off Namor? I'm gonna go with no. Yeah, because Namor. Can they grow a head back? I maybe I don't know. He's fish. He's fish man. Maybe that's a thing they do. <laughs> so wings I, it, ankles. Who knows? It, I mean, it was it was amusing. It was interesting, but. Uh, you know, I I just feel as if you know, and I'm looking on the news, and and you know, and I'm I'm not seeing anybody talk about Namor dying. Nothing on ABC um, News, nothing on NBC, yeah. CBS, nothing. Yeah, nothing, nothing on CBS. Yeah, but so uh, so yeah, so I guess uh, Namor's dead. So there you go. Forever. 
forever because forever. you know how that that works. <laughs> on a on another Mama, week, can we get the can we get the fuck count uh, for the second <laughs> issue of the Goddamned? Well, on another week, the Goddamned probably would have been the pick, but it was just too bleak for my my mood this week. Um, but Jesus Christ, wow. I don't mean to, I don't even mean to pun to pun that way, but Jason Aaron's <laughs> got Jason Aaron's got some issues. He's got some. He's got. He has a lot of darkness in him. <laughs> and, uh, well, you've looked into those eyes. I've looked into, into his eyes, beard. the cold, dead into eyes. Into that beard. And um, this, I mean, I, I do really like this book. I wasn't sure what to make of the first issue, but now that I know what I'm in for, you know, it looks great. The Arm Gara art is, is just the wonderful stuff we come to expect from him that we saw. Gara sort of is the perfect cipher for those those dark feelings that reside within him clearly but uh i'm i'm surprised that has no one told fox news about this book has no one clued in anyone because <laughs> the stuff that gets complained about is a lot less tame than this and the uh <laughs> the, the little dog pack of feral boys and oh that was that was disturbing and the, can, the cannibals yeah. right before that if, if you're in old testament you can do whatever you want yeah it's anything after that, that that you can get into trouble with. This stuff is all, it's pretty much what happened. <laughs> I think he's having a lot of fun coming up with groups of people names, of the fuck hunters, the skin cutters, yeah. the shit witches, the bone boys. <laughs> it's, it's it's really, like a, it's, it, it really is creative. I think I hope he has a whiteboard somewhere with just a list. It's the gangs <laughs> of New Babylon. It's, all, it's a different kind of thing. <laughs> the skin I cutters. bet they just flow out of him like, like, like water uh, from tap. That's my guess. The shit witches. Um, mm, shit witch. What did you guys think of this issue? I still don't know what to make of the series, but I'm enjoying it. I'm kind of with Ron. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm absolutely uh, sure about I'm going to be happy with where it goes, but I don't quite know what it is yet. I mean, there was a... The bit at the end is actually a fairly significant turn because the character... All of the characters seem to be just monstrous and destroy and you know cynical and, and mean. And there's a turn where the character at the end sort of uh, doesn't want to, but decides to go do the right thing. You mean Kane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know any characters' names. This is Kane. Yeah, I, like, I, like, I don't know who I'm supposed to be rooting for. It's Kane. 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 As of and Abel, son of Adam and Eve, first murderer. First murderer. Yeah. Okay. I just killed his, killed his brother. I didn't. Yeah. We didn't really cover the Old Testament when I went to religion. I I never even. I don't even know anything about the Bible, but I know that. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't know. That. I literally only know this stuff because of comics, mostly Vertigo. Interesting. True. That is true. That's that's how I know. I, it. Totally. I mean, like like the Sandman. I learned a ton of it through there. Lucifer. Um, bunch of books like that. Hey Josh, they're rebooting Lucifer. You excited? I read it. I actually forgot to add it to the list. I'll mention it at the end if we're. If we're yeah. So uh, just in, just in time for the TV show. How many how many how many hours would we last in this world? <laughs> what like uh, minutes? You mean? <laughs> well, like, I wouldn't have survived my appendectomy. So <laughs> just just uh, listen. When it rains and it gets muddy out, I barely want to go outside today. <laughs> let's well, let's just. There's two of us surviving on antibiotics now. So let's go ahead and make sure we take those out of the equation. <laughs> and, and then then the, the, on the one that's not on antibiotics, I'm probably the weakest of the three. So it's. Like, <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, the yeah, antibiotics aren't going to kill us in an hour, but the the, the, yeah. the, the feral dog boys might. Yeah. This is, a, got, this is a really disturbing book, in a, in a good way for I'm me. I'm a pretty yeah. boy. I think they put me in one of the camps. You'd be, you'd be a fuck hunter? What would you be? <laughs> I'd be fuck hunted. <laughs> you'd be fuck hunted. Um, yeah. It's good. It's, it's very, very good. It's just very disturbing. And it, it, it just, 
It wasn't what I needed on that day. I really, I don't, I really don't think that it's kicked in yet. And I, and I, like, I go back to remembering. It's really easy to compare it to this. But I remember with Scalp, like, it hadn't kicked in yet for a while. Like, it took a little while till we knew what we were doing and what the stakes were. And I, you know, we haven't really met everybody yet. And I think that we don't know what this is yet. Um, yeah. But I have 100% confidence that it's going to be fine. And and part of it, and part of it also is that like. It's just it's beautiful to look at. I mean, mm, Gara sure. is amazing. Yeah, I mean, like and and like knowing what knowing how, like this work, knowing what Gara's work on scalp looked like compared to this, they're completely different. Yeah, and in a in a great way, you know. What I mean, like this is really you know like this. I was trying to think of who this reminded me of. The art reminded me of while I was reading this issue, and I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, but it, it just it's 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 it, I I I just spent minutes looking at the pages, you know, and just kind of soaking it all in. So. It's very good. So, yeah. on here we have the all new Inhumans number two, and I, I might have made a mistake, but I actually wanted to do the uncanny Inhumans number three. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know how someone would have made that mistake. Yeah. Uh, but the uncanny Inhumans number three. This is uh, Charles Soule, who is you know the keeper of the Inhumans, and Steve McNiven, who's doing nice work by the way. Yes. Uh, it's a little loose for him, but I like it. Um, that might be the inker actually. Now that I'm looking at it, uh, Jay Lyston. Doesn't matter. Um, I didn't mean that, Jay. That was horrible. Wow. Uh, wow. Sorry. Does I, no, I, just, I said I like it, actually. It's, you know how Steve McNiven is always, like, like his, edge, his lines are very polished on the sides? Like, this brings it a much looser, more liney approach, and I actually really like it a lot. When I said it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how I'm pronouncing it is what I actually meant, because I knew I was getting that wrong. Um, so, w- here's what's good about this. Kang. 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 Well, it's always if you good. Remember, you may or may not remember, but Black Bolt made a deal with Kang to save his son mm-hmm. um, a while back. And so where we're at now is that uh, Black Bolt and Medusa's son, Ahura, not of the USS Enterprise. Sure? I was going to say, yeah. Can we be sure? I mean, well, he's, a, he's a grizzled, bearded man, white right. man. Then I think you're, you're, you've got it on there. Um, but, you know, he basically, I mean, the story is that he killed Kang, took over all of his time powers, and then, like, waited in one corner of time for his parents to find him, and now he's going to kill them and all the other Inhumans. And so basically they're fighting their son, who is, you know, the son of some very powerful people, plus all of Kang's power. He's in Kang's battle armor, and they're having a big fight, you know, uh, and that's, it's a big battle. Is there and anything like, more disappointing than when Kang takes his mask off and just some kind of like douchey guy with a goatee underneath? I don't ever want to see that. And it's I'm always a, it's always a disappointment. Always, it's always yep. a disappointment. Yeah. 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 No, I agree with that. Um, and it's like Randall and, from Clerks is under there. Yeah, I always. <laughs> <laughs> did, I just, did I just ruin Kang? That got no. me. No, you. What you did was you bring up and I almost started talking about Clerks, and I was like, "But I don't like Kevin Smith anymore." But I did like Clerks, and it's a whole thing in my head right, that I have sorry. to deal with. Um, it's just disappointing. That's all. Go ahead. This was, this was a very good issue. I liked it. You did. You read it? Yeah. No. Like it's. A I'm big reading. Fight. I'm reading both of these these books. Although I'm glad you switched books because I didn't really like the other humans book. Yeah. No, I didn't read the other one. I st- I think I read the first issue and decided I was like, ah, eh, I'm just gonna read this one that I really like. Uh, and we'll go with it. And, and you know, lots of Black Bolt uh, action, lots of Kang action. There's a there's a love triangle going on with with uh, Human Torch and Medusa. Lots of drama. Uh, you know, everything was good. It was it was a really fun issue. When did they decide that the Fantastic Four are really humans? That it wasn't a cosmic storm; it was a Terrigen mist storm. They haven't done that, right? No, but when does that happen? Oh Don't, God, Almighty! I would. I mean, th- there's got to be a line, and I yeah. think that's it. Well, you know, the X-Men are pretty big pillars of the Marvel community, and they, you know, 
And I, considering where the fa- well, uh, I don't know. I can't keep track of this stuff anymore. I was going to say, given the Fantastic Four, but maybe they're getting them back. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. So uh, when I read the next book, one line came to my head. It was a, it's, a, it's a very famous line. It's this is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but a whimper. And <laughs> that is what my feelings towards Ultimate End number five were. The I guess the closeout of the Ultimate Universe, the, the universe that revitalized Marvel. 15 years ago. and uh, So this started before Secret Wars. Or this! <laughs> this started for Secret Wars. This, this is a Battle this World start, book. This started like two years ago, right? This miniseries? I think so. Yeah, this miniseries. I feel like this miniseries has been going on like bef- since before I came back to the show. Because <laughs> really, cause really like my instinct when I, my, when I saw it, my comment was, oh, that? <laughs> well, I, I've been looking for it because it, hasn't, it hadn't ended yet. And this was supposed to, you know, this is the ultimate universe. And so I've been waiting for this one. And, and did it deliver? No. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Did you read all those little panels that he used to do, like, from Powers? Oh, yes, I did. I didn't. I started to, and then I skipped around, and I was like, I don't care. Because, like, it was, it's very obvious what was going to happen here. Yeah. Right. Like, there was no surprise to it. So, hence, there wasn't much reason to read it. You know what I mean? Like, as I was reading, I was like, this is... Get to whatever your reveal is. Everybody's going to disappear. Oh, and now now Miles is in the world. Oh, his, his mom's a lot. I just... Yeah. So Miles okay is now? the only one that remembers the ultimate universe, right? Is that what they're saying at the end there? Yes. Because he, he was surprised his mom yeah. was alive. So he remembers the ultimate universe. Okay. So this isn't actually the Marvel Universe, Miles, like we were teased at the end of Spider-Man. This is actually the ultimate universe, Miles transported into the Marvel Universe. How are we supposed to know that, by the way? Know what? How are we supposed to know that this is Anything. our world? When he's, when he's, yes, good point. When he's uh, swinging over the city at the end, mm-hmm. um, where apparently Queens and Manhattan are just non-existent. Or Queens and Brooklyn, they don't, they're not there. Or New Jersey, depending on which way you're looking. But I, I, that doesn't, Manhattan's weird in this world. And this is the 616 world. Like, I, I think, think this is looking south. I would be more concerned with how close the Empire State Building is to downtown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole lot wrong. That's yes. why I don't know. I don't know. This, this ultimate end. There's a whole lot wrong. That's, uh, the, end of, that's the end of my review. You, have to, you, know it's the, you know it's quote unquote our world because. Also, who got the page rate for all the blank pages? Um, you have. I guess Bendis said he wrote it, right? Blank page, blank page. Um, you have to know it's our world because because Mar because Miles is, is showing up in the and it's teasing his new book which takes place in the Marvel universe. So, yeah. but you'd have to know that. Yeah, at this I'm, point I'm everyone like, knows that. I, I was wondering if there was some clue in this wide shot that that this was the six one six world or I don't know if there's still. Well, it in. says follow Miles Morales' adventures in the Marvel universe in Spider Man. Oh, okay. So this is the end of the Marvel universe. One of my favorite experiments in all of comics. Produced one of my Ultimate favorite universe. Ultimate, oh, not no. the Marvel Universe. This <laughs> is just the end of everything. This is all over. <laughs> good riddance. Not it good was riddance. Really just the series. It was, it was one of our favorite books of all time. It was. It that was, was but series, it, but not it, the it definitely outs- it, it outstayed the welcome. Yes. It, it. They didn't know what to do with it for the last couple of years. Yes. Agreed. And, yeah, uh, okay. Fair so enough. It, it ended in, good... with indignity, as, as I guess most things do. So I guess I should check in because uh, it's a... a, a Vertigo number one, and that's my job on this show. <laughs> is it Vertigo? I missed a... yeah, it must be. Why? Because Constantine isn't. 
All right, hold on. I'm going to the beginning. Anyways, Lucifer number one, I guess you could call this a Lucifer reboot. Um, in adv- yeah, it's Vertigo. Uh, in adva- Dave Johnson cover. Uh, in advance of the television program that will be on, is it on Fox? Yes. Yes, it is on Fox. Fox. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it will be on Fox for two to four weeks. Um, and what you have here is the story of the, uh, the first of the fallen. Wait, hold on, uh, hold, on hold on, hold on, hold on. People need to know, this is like one of your all-time favorite series, Lucifer. Yeah, it's actually been so long that I haven't read it in a long time. I really loved it. Like, when it was coming out... Ron can also, attest, you, you would not shut up about Lucifer. Uh, yes, but I don't really remember too much of it. Um, <laughs> it's it's a, it didn't really stick with you. Yeah. Well, well, it's been ten years. I've read a lot of comics since then, and the children have ruined my mind. Uh-huh. Um, but as I was going through it, you know, things started to sort of pop up. But this is like a... A cleaner, easier, don't have to have read it before reboot of that book. Um, <clears throat> really nice art uh, by Lee Garbett, uh, who, like Batgirl for a while, I think. Yes, that yes. Was really nice. Um, and I, I think he likes Jaws a lot. So I why, go why, why do you think Lucifer got the Vertigo treatment but not on Constantine? I don't know. Who, I who think... Know? Who, who could tell, really? I think that, well... John Constantine, I think they're constantly they're they're like, well, let's pull him back into the DC universe and make make stories out of him that work with everybody else because they were going to do that whole line, and I don't know, maybe they're just doing this because they they have a show and they have to do some, but they're the show's over. All right, well, whatever, I don't know. Um, Writers Holly Black, um, it wasn't bad. It felt like Lucifer. It felt a little like um, remedial Lucifer. Uh, the other series has been written by Mike Carey, and it, we were talking about this earlier. You know, like it—it it was very steeped in in the lore and everything. Whereas this was, um, you know, almost more like the just a more basic version of of these stories. But there are there, you know, they they did refer to the end of of the of the last series, which was you know he left the he left the throne of God uh, with a, a little girl, which is Elaine, who is one of the main parts of that series i think that's her name that's the name that came into my head uh and then at the end we see the the lord of hell uh was mazikeen who was one of the big characters she was the one with half her face uh melted off uh and she's sort of like a gross disgusting half skull thing uh but she turned into a pretty lady who also still has half a face um and you know so basically like lucifer just shows up again and he's injured and he's low on power but he, he he starts a new club in los angeles which i think is the thing in the show um you know, but it has the right tone. It has the right feel. It looks really good. I think the 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 art works really, really well. I enjoyed that part. Were you surprised about what? That it was enjoyable. That you didn't hate no. it. No, not really, because they didn't try to. It's not DC. It is at Vertigo, so it was just somebody else's take on it. So it feels a little different. And you know, it's a first issue, so it has to set things up and be approachable. But it was kind of nice. It was just saying, like, I, I hadn't thought about it in a while. I don't remember a lot of the details, but they come back to me as I'm going through it. And I like this character. Um, he's sort of a fun, droll kind of, you know, he's not really going to worry about anything, even though everything's going really wrong kind of character. You know, and he's, he's Satan, which I, I there, is, there is sort of a, an edge to that that I really like, that they're, they're going to do that character, mm-hmm. you know, and, and make him likable, I guess, more or less. You know, you're going to root for, you're going to root for the devil. Uh, in this series, which is there's something sort of subversive about that that I really enjoy, and they get Gabriel, who's like a homeless drunk, no longer an angel, uh, to try to fight him, and 
you know, then they, they start to talk and in, instead, um, a lot of, a lot of machinations are being set up and it was fine. It was actually, it was good to go back in there. You know, part of me was about to say, I wish, I wish Mike Carey was writing it again, but actually, <laughs> but he not, did it. He did yeah, it. no, that's why yeah. I stopped saying it because he did yeah. his story. He did the whole yeah. thing, the 60 issues and you like that all exists and is fine. And, uh, I, like I, I'd, I'd actually really like to read that again. I've gone back through preacher enough times that I think I could. Do, I think I tried once or twice. It's pretty dense, so it was actually really good to read monthly, as opposed to just like plowing through a bunch of them. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. do you think do you think they kept it in Vertigo because of the relationship with Sandman? I don't know because it's it's a, it's a spinoff from Sandman, basically. You asked me that question, and I started thinking to myself, I'm in no way qualified to answer this question. Well, no, no, I know, but I mean, we're speculating as to why it's you know it didn't get you know why they pulled Constantine over to the DCU, but they you know the, this is thing because I, I think this is related to Sandman in in that cold you know Neil Gaiman kind of world, and that's probably why it's I don't know. I'm, I think it's a little more like they're trying to reestablish Vertigo. Yeah. So you've yeah. got a premier property that's on television now, and they probably were like, "Can we keep this with us now?" And, and also, this- but but also this is and it's also this is a very Vertigo type. Cast- Character yes. and story yes. types, that, yeah, yeah. So it does. It is. It doesn't fit in DC. Whereas Constantine had previously established ties, you know, in those. Yeah, Constantine originally was in the DC, and they got moved into Vertigo, right? Yes. He showed up yeah. in. He was Swamp Thing was his first appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Swamp. There you go. And then he showed up like with the Justice League in uh, Sandman, I believe. Right at the funeral. Yeah. Yeah. So he was on that that sketchy line of things that moved over to Vertigo once there was a Vertigo, but he was in DC first. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're back on the wagon. Woo! The Lucifer wagon. Uh, cool. So uh, take a quick break to uh, thank everybody who has helped iFanboy this year. We had a great year, and we're, we've done it all because of you, the audience. And if you'd like to help continue to support iFanboy into 2016, there's a bunch of different ways you guys can do that. You can go to iFanboy.com support, uh, and there you can find a link to Amazon where you can do all of your shopping. And I know it's probably too late now, but if you still got to do some last-minute Christmas shopping, it's Amazon. It's not too late. No, some yeah, some yeah, two-day shipping, overnight shipping, you're good. Yeah, yeah, the four bucks. It can do, it can happen. So uh, so all you got to do is go to ifanboy.com slash support, and at the bottom of the page is a big old banner to go click on it to go over to Amazon, and any purchase you make over there helps us out. We get a little taste of it, not from you, but from Amazon themselves. So it's really a, 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 a simple and easy way for you to help out iFanboy in the process. Um, if you'd like to help us out in a more direct manner, you can sign up for a uh, iFanboy membership where you can sign up for $3 a month or $30 a year, and we thank all of our loyal members who have done that and continue to uh, pay, our, pay our server bills and our, you know, we appreciate that. Um, and if you'd like to give us a little year-end bonus, you can give a one-time donation. There's a link via, uh, via PayPal and a bunch more other. Actually, it's, every week there's a couple more people who do it, and we thank everybody who's done that. Um, it's really nice uh, for you to kick a couple of dollars our way to help us uh, keep giving you the quality comic book entertainment that you deserve on a weekly basis. Uh, so we thank you. Get your family yeah. gifts first, but yes. then in January we're coming for you. Yeah, exactly. Wait, I don't want to phrase it that way. <laughs> wrong show Josh wrong show Josh sorry uh, um, so yeah so go to ifanboy.com support we thank everybody for their continued support Ron and you just gotta believe It'll just gotta happen. believe gotta believe that's all so sex number 26 I believe is Joe Casey doing his best Grant Morrison <laughs> in uh, with with the two page hallucinogenic dying uh, well I don't want to say fantasies but visions that the old man has he's finally finally dead after 26 issues um, these are just Finally. Some crazy. I don't know what they mean. There's, there's some tentacles made of people, and there's a baby being born. 
<laughs> with with umbilical cord made of people. And there's some more people. And uh, I love this book. I know you guys are. Going. I, I know you guys are sort of down on it, but I love it. When did I say that? Why do you think? Last that? time we talked about it, you said you 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 felt like it was going nowhere. Wow. Yeah. Harsh. I'm, I might have just been in a bad mood. I, I felt a couple issues behind, so I read this one and the last one in sort of one go this time. And I actually wondered to myself what it was you were going to bring up about it. But I guess that is fairly significant. Well, we know, we know he, are he and Grant still buddies? They were buddies at one point. Um, yeah, they, they, they used to talk. I know they used to talk very frequently uh, and discuss stuff together. So it's, I guess I didn't even seem, think of that as unusual as coming from Joe. Because uh, it, it does feel like it's an element that's, that's shown. His comics have been wacky, man. Like this they is are, yeah. among the least wacky of the comics, so maybe it didn't really stand out. Um, I liked, I liked this. Yep. I liked the sort of story that's going on, and the transition of of you know this guy's dead, so here, we know what happens next. Um, and I I really like watching what whatever's happening to this like middle management guy, or whoever. <laughs> something bad, something real bad's gonna happen to him. Yeah, like, they're really drawing it out because he's just, just. You think it's gonna be this? Nope, not this time, but. Something bad's gonna happen to him. I really want that to be the thing, and I I want to know the the Robin character's story. And it's interesting that they've the, the the tidbit this month was that he's actually much better at it than the Batman character. Yep. And he should have been the one who was the sort of the saint. Maybe they're sent there. Maybe that's the arc for him. Is that he should be the one protecting the city. So it'll be interesting. Yep, it's good. I'm not. I'm. I, if I said that before, I'm sorry, Joe and Peter. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, Huck number two uh, picks up the second issue of Mark Miller and Raphael Albuquerque's collaboration. And as we talked about a little earlier, the idea of somebody with you know great powers and abilities in a small town getting outed. And uh, I, I, I love this series. I love it. I love I'll this. Tell you, I'll tell you the, the moment I, I was reading it. And I was like, okay, I'm trying to remember what the last one was. And the moment that this issue uh, won me over was you've got all these people start coming after him and asking questions. And I was like, oh, he's going to freak out. He's whatever. Yep. He goes, hold on. Let me just write this down. And yep. he writes down the tersest note ever. And he's like, all right, I got this. Yep. <laughs> and then he goes and he takes care of everything. Yeah. Like, so without an so issue. Yeah, so yeah, the, the media the media gets alerted to the fact that he exists, and all these people show up at his house, and one you know one woman, her husband's been missing for you know for years, and she's trying to find him. Their daughter's missing, like all these people, and yeah, and then just the moment where he's like, well, hang on, let me let me write this down, and it just it was it's endearing and warm, and it just feels great. And when the issue ended, I actually got mad because I thought it was too short. Mm-hmm. I wanted more. Of course, this guy's Russian. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you say that? <laughs> uh, his mom was in Siberia about to get no, birth I know, to him. No, I why, of course, he's Russian, though. <laughs> Just because. Strong. It's strong like bull. Like that guy ah. from Seven Eves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I just, I just love this, and and that's, I think, the sign of a good comic is when it ends. I like, I, I, I was sad. I want, I wanted, I wanted to never stop. So before you get uh, too too far into your analysis, Ron, I really enjoyed Phonogram, uh, or Photogram, as it says here in the script, the Immaterial Girl Number Five. Why did you enjoy it? I, I thought it was the most easily followable. This is my yeah. favorite issue of the series yes, as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I was able to follow the story. I knew what was going on. I knew exactly sort of where Cole was at. Yep. Emotionally or, I'm sorry, you what mean, he was you going mean Kieran Gillen. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I really liked that. I mean, if I had any nitpick, Times Square? It, is, works is that, for the, it works for the visual. I know. Times Square? Really? That was, well, where that is was, everyone? 
Well, that that was that was my one thing. That was where I kind of went, oh, Jamie. It's because because uh, uh, now Connor, you can tell circus. We, well, no, but the thing, no, but the thing was, if you read the issue, the character said the the, the I forget the guy's name, um, but he's like, I, guy with I, I knife, dri- yeah, yeah, I, dr- I drive around and all this sort of stuff. I've never left, and I've always wanted to go to New York. I've never been to New York. I'm never going to go. That's why I sent him to Times Square. It's the most New York thing you could do to him, right? But the thing is, is that there needs to be a lot more people in that scene. Maybe it's uh, four in the morning. Four in the morning, and he's going to do the New York experience with the hot dog. And a <laughs> <pretzel>. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I thought this was the most straightforward issue of the series so far. Um, and like you said, it was very, you know, like very clear as to what the motivations and what the point in the story is. Um, and you know, this is really kind of the denouement for these characters. Um, and, think, uh, and the next issue, thank you. The next issue is the last issue. So I'm getting, you know, really, you know, kind of curious to see how it wraps up and how it all goes. But this was a nice, you know, as someone who's been reading the character of David Cole slash Karen Gillan uh, throughout all these series, what? this was a, this was a nice moment um, uh, to, you know, for the character of maturity and reaching the end point of the character's arc. Uh, so very well done. This continues to be fantastic. So. Uh, but then also from from Team uh, Gillen McKelvey uh, came the Wicked and the Vine number seventeen, which was the last issue of the uh, the story of the arc that featured guest artists, and this featured an entire issue uh, drawn by Brandon Graham, uh, which uh, is you know anybody who's a Brandon Graham fan knows that that sometimes that takes a long time to wait for. And I'm surprised that it came out on time and on schedule. So good job, Brandon. But uh, yeah, this was uh, it was really interesting to see somebody with such a different style than Jamie McKelvey draw those characters, like the Tron-like character. You know, like Br- Brandon just takes a di- completely different take on it. Um, but it was it was a blast, and it just continues to see how I think you know no matter how out there or esoteric the story of Wicked and Divine is. I think that this arc proved that what Kieran and Jamie have created, uh, they can bring in other artists into the fold very easily and tell just as compelling stories and move the story along um, and kind of, you know, kind of helps, you know, kind of prove the Wicked Divine staying power. So uh, great job on that. It was, a, it, was a, it was a fantastic arc, and I'm excited now that Jamie's coming back to the book full time, as well as colors Matt Wilson. I'm, I'm excited to see where they go from here. So, so we, we discussed the, the, the newest Invincible reboot, or as the cover says, reboot? Um, where we find that Mark has been transported back in time uh, to the beginning of his story, but knowing everything that happens afterwards. Um, and this is the third part and the last part of that little arc. And, and Mark is approached by some sort of sentient alien being, and they, they tell him, uh, we knew you would be right for this and that you would, you would fix things, uh, and all you have to do is tell us that you'll stay here. Um, and the only thing it means is that you'll be stuck in this timeline, and he's like, I, I can't leave my daughter. And they said, well, you know, I know I could probably marry Eve again. We'd have another daughter, but it wouldn't be her. So screw this. I'm going back. And he does. And everything has changed. Well, yeah. Alternate 1985. <laughs> Biff is uh, the president. And that's where we're going forward from here. So now he's, right. he's screwed. He should have stayed in, he should have stayed in the back. In back well, in that's the, the, yeah. So, you know, you know what really works for superheroes? Lots of guilt. That's what I, if you know anything about the Spider-Man story, yep. guilt is where it's at. So that's which has always been, you know, like that's the closest thing is is like he always reminds us of Spider. He's trying to do too much. He's Mark does not make the best decisions, and that's isn't that great? Yeah, no, it's great. It makes for great stories. It's just he makes yeah, but he's also like he was in he there was no right decision to make there. So, 
Um, uh, well, it, well. So anyway, this—it's not really that that happened as much as this is the this is the start of the the next epoch of this book, uh, which you know, I mean, they're clearly doing what they can to make themselves uh, stay interested in it. Um, if you think about, it, and they're also they're taking off until April, because hmm. uh, Ryan Otley needs to recharge his batteries as is spend time with the family, as it were. Um, so right. if you think about how long Ryan Otley has been drawing this book, at the level that he draws it. Without missing an issue, without being late, he can take a lot longer off. Than well, that. you I used to get regular there. breaks when when Corey Walker would draw an issue. That's, yeah, that, but, I mean, but everyone's drawing for the most part. No, I mean, it's, but he used to have those breaks built in, and now that hasn't yeah. happened in a long time. So, no. there you go. So it'll be back. And those are the books we're going to talk about to close out the year. You can go to ifanboy.com and find the post for the show and talk about these books or other books that came out this week. Um, Good week of books. I enjoyed my week. Yeah. Or maybe solid. I just needed some distraction. Either way, it was a good week. I enjoyed my comics this week. Right on. Let's uh let's let's close up the ears. I thought I thought, you know, since we're not doing a Star Wars book, which really threw me off. This That's week. weird. The only one that came out was the Vader annual, which was eh. I read that. Sorry. So yeah. I thought we would do an email. It wasn't Vader down. It wasn't Vader down. Vader, Vader down. down. Let's do an audience email to make up for it. Why don't you read it, Ron? All right, so our email comes from Johnny M., who says, I'm 22 years old, and I just finished watching the original Star Wars trilogy for the first time last night, having watched the prequels a long time ago. I saw nothing wrong with them and thought you guys were just nitpicking the movies. After finishing the original trilogy, I can say with extreme certainty that you guys were right. Tell your sister you were right. <laughs> she didn't uh, watch them more, by the way. <laughs> I can say with extreme certainty that you guys were right, and the prequels do not exist to me anymore. As this is my first time experiencing Star Wars and nothing past my knowledge of the, uh, of, of the only first three films made. I would like to expand this knowledge by reading more about the Amazing Universe, canon or non-canon, comic or non-comic. With that being said, I have two questions for you. How can someone go 22 years without watching these amazing films? And what do you guys recommend I read? Well, the first question, I feel like you're more in a better position, Johnny, than us to answer. So, because uh, considering that we grew up with these movies, uh, so, you Look know. Look in the was, mirror. Yeah, exactly. I was exactly. thinking about that today and that, like, we didn't have like articles explaining things to us or like no. we just see them and think that's weird and then talk yeah. about it for 15 years. Right. <laughs> 20. That's what it was. I mean like that's what it was, which yeah. I think is much more compelling whereas now you can see a thing that's interesting and you can just look it up. Well, and if yeah. there's not the answer there's an answer and that's enough. I was talking with, with with our buddy Mike Romo about this how he used to watch some really crappy entertainment show every day because it featured a 5 second clip of the trench run. As a kid, yeah. because that was the only way you could watch it. It wasn't like he I had heard he, that from others. It wasn't like yep. he had, uh, you know, a, a DVD of the movie or it was on all the time. It was just, you know, you never saw it. Once you saw something in the theater, it was gone. That was it. Or, or if you're lucky enough to have a VCR and when they showed it on CBS in 1982 yeah. and your dad taped it for you and then halfway through the movie it breaks to with Dan Rather with an <laughs> update about the Iran-Iraq war, uh, you still watched it though, you know, because like, it was, you know, like, which is fa fascinating because like these movies, like the original trilogy, when you think about it, I remember them being shown not on HBO or on cable, but on broadcast TV mm -hmm. with no editing. But also, because they, they, were, they were all ages, they were perfect. But also not very often. Not there was a long often. period of time where they weren't yeah. on TV at all. Yep. So I just yep. realized that broadcast TV used to put on real movies every once in a while. Yeah, no, they all all the time That's they would gone. do that. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's interesting. Um, yeah. But so, so uh, because it, so the answer is because it's a different world, and we don't blame you for living in a different world and being a younger person. It's okay. Uh, well, don't we speak for, don't speak for all of us. Well, no, we hate you for being younger. That's different. 
yeah. but not for the choices that were made. Anyway, thanks, thanks for good, glad to have you aboard. Basically, okay. So now, so now that you want more, now that you want more of a taste, uh, I think the first place you got to go is the uh, is the uh, Timothy Zahn trilogy. Well, wait a second. Yeah. I thought of that too, but if this if the new films are all about the future, right. Then it's going to be weird that the books are telling the same story, but are completely That's different. That's going to be everything, though. Yeah. Yes and so, no. There, there are things you can read, like the Timothy Zahn Smuggler book that takes place in the past. You well, know. you could read. Not I mean, all, not all say, the books take place in the future. All the things that I would say, like this was fun and that I read, it's all going to. It doesn't matter. It's all quote unquote legends now. It's not. It's all gone. So yeah. It's all just fun, well done fan fiction, basically. That was yeah. published by actual publishers. So I. Would kind of agree because I was going to say Dark Empire, but or yeah. Shadows of the Empire. And none the Dark of that Empire, happened. the Dark Empire is great. If you can still find it, you can find. I don't know. It's not in print anymore. But if you, it was published by Dark Horse, but that was with Cam Kennedy art. Um, yeah, Dark Empire was a blast, and the 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 the, the Timothy Zahn trilogy. The, the, yeah, the, that was a comic book, and the Timothy Zahn trilogy is a prose book uh, called the Thrawn trilogy about Grand Admiral Thrawn. Takes place after Jedi. Um, yeah, it's not canon anymore because they're throwing everything out the door. So like, we can't. You know, as far as canon goes, it's you know, go read. The stuff Marvel's putting out now, and go read the that's novels it. that that came out now, and then watch Man. the new movie. That's it. But we know? can't vouch for that stuff in the same way. So exactly. like, you want to go back and see the stuff that was just because it was and it was fun. Um, I mean, I don't watch the cartoons, but people seem to really like them. Yeah, Rebels is apparently yeah. very good. Rebels yeah, people are really like Clone Rebels. Wars. Yeah. Um, I mean, people I respect. Yeah. Um, so there's that stuff, but I mean, those Thrawn books are a hell of a lot of fun, even if it's not the story. Yeah, like they're the, still. Or the Tales of stories were, were always my favorites. The Tales of the Bounty Hunters, Tales of the Canteen. Oh, Tales of Jabba's Palace. Yeah, yes. Jabba's Palace. Yeah. Those, um, were those were great. Anthology stories. Those were fun. Oh. And yeah. those actually take place sort of to the side of the original trilogy. So you can totally read those. I think, yeah, t- you're not going to get Tales from Jabba's Palace ruined for you very much. You're going to know all about Malakili, and it's going to be worth it. Yeah, totally worth it. <laughs> 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 Um, and if you want something more recent, if you can find it, uh, some of the, the in the last year in the death throes of Dark Horse, uh, are one of you know our, one of our favorite teams, uh, Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becko did a great uh, did a great run on some Star Wars stuff that took place way in the future, like way way in the future. That is just so out there that it's just not tied to anything, and I think they stand on their own as just good kind of Star Wars universe stories. So mm-hmm. check those out. So Star Wars Legacy, uh, yeah, was that what so. the title of it was? I'm sorry. Was it Star Wars Legacy? Was that the title? It was Star Wars Legacy. I think that's what. It was. Yeah, something right. like that. Yeah. So, um, cool. Well, Johnny, welcome to the fold. We're glad that you uh, uh, are on the on the right side of the fence now, and, and enjoy the rest of your future Star Wars life. We wish you. A Knights lot of, fun. of the Old Republic was a fun game. Yeah. If you want to go back and do find a thing that way. That's, so was Dark, For- Dark, Dark Forces. Yeah. Oh, I love Dark Forces. Lots of good stuff um, out there. Oh, yeah, also, I want you to take like. Two and a half hours or so, just sit down and trust me, just sit all the way through the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Oh. I was waiting in line for the new movie, and someone said, "Like, what is it? does Chewbacca have a family?" And I was able to explain his entire family and and mm-hmm. and tell a lot because I watched the Holiday Special. So yeah, lumpy, lumpy, itchy, mala. That Mala. went very differently than when we were in line for the Phantom Menace run. Yeah, well, I wasn't there for the Phantom Menace line, but you weren't there. No, no, yeah, I was by myself. You guys did that without me. That's right. Yeah, it was Connor. It was you and you and I, you and I in the episode two and three lines. That's, that's where just, we were. It was me and Josh yes. for the Phantom Menace. <laughs> it was yeah. before the dark times, before the iFanboy. <laughs> uh, so if you have an email for us in 2016, you can email us at contact at iFanboy.com or leave us a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS-326-2697. 
Tell us where you are. <laughs> Tell us who you are and where you're from. Where who you're from. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Can, is this year over yet? So this is the last show of the year, as we've mentioned. And in the last couple of shows, we've done sort of a wrap-up segment. We talked about our favorite creators. We talked about our favorite books. And so we're ending the year, as we always do, with the Picks of the Week by the Numbers segment, which we used to do on the website back when we did the website. And now we've been doing it on the show for the last couple of years. This is where we take a look at all the Picks of the Week of the year, do some number crunching, and see where it all nets out. It's a little fun little game we like to play. This is your, this is your favorite time of year, Connor, isn't it? It, it wasn't when I did this. I, 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 can, I cannot vouch for any of these numbers. Okay. I, I was on a lot of medication when I did this. Um, I don't know if it all matches. So this year, there were 50 picks of the week, uh, 20 by Josh, 19 by myself, 9 by Ron, and 2 by Paul. Okay. So we had a nice nice uh, spread there between Josh and I, at least. Would you like to guess the most popular company? Who had the most picks of the week? I guess Image. Josh? Uh, image? So, indeed, the number one company was Image with 19 picks of the week. And uh, what was interesting to me was that this year we had Battleworld. This year we had that fucking DC one whose name I can't even remember anymore. Convergence. 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 And and during that time, we we hardly read any DC books. Didn't pick any. We hardly read any Marvel books during Battleworld. Didn't pick any. But uh, Marvel still came in at number two with 14 picks and DC with 13. Well, weren't weren't like 1872? Wasn't that a Battleworld book? Right. Yep, it was. Yep. Or like Secret Wars and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like a total, total loss. Well, but... if you guys, if you, so, you know, people complained. The people who are fans of one over another uh, complained that we talked about image too much. But really, at the end of the day, nineteen, fourteen, thirteen isn't that big of a spread. Yeah. Uh, Mar- Archie had one. Black Mask Studios had one. Boom Studios had one. And Dark Horse Comics each had one. All right. Um, now, by it was pro- the Boom Book? The Boom Book was this week's Klaus. Oh. The uh, by the spread by person. Josh, your num- you had four different companies. As your pick, uh, uh, ten by Image, five by DC, four by Marvel, one by Dark Horse. <laughs> of that DC, only one was Vertigo. Uh, I had five companies. DC had six. Image had six. Marvel had five. Archie had one. Boom had one. And of that, two of them were Vertigo. Ron, you only had four companies: four by Marvel, three by Image, one by Black Mask, one by DC. All right. Of that, one was Vertigo. And Paul had one from Marvel and DC each. Um, Vertigo books are almost all Astro City. And then by writer. So this is where we start figuring out who our favorite creators were by the numbers. Uh, we actually had a really big writer spread this year. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten writers with more than two picks this year. Wow. Anyone want to guess who the number one writer was who had the most picks? Jason Aaron. Jason Aaron? Jason Aaron with five. The top... Uh, everybody who had more than two picks accounted for 38% of all of the picks this week, this year. So James, wow. James, Jason Aaron had five, James Robinson had four, Scott Snyder had four, Ed Brubaker had three, and Kurt Busick had three. And then uh, that's followed by Brian Wood, Garth Ennis, Jerry Duggan, Grant Morrison, Mark Miller, Rick Mander, each had two, each had two books. All right. Uh, a much smaller spread by writers, um, sorry, by artists. In fact, 39 of the picks were by different artists. The only artists who were picked multiple times, one, two, three, four, five, six of them. Anybody want to guess who, which artist had the most picks? Hmm. Frank Quitely. Frank Quitely was not on the list of anywhere. Oh, why right. not? <laughs> Darwin Cook. Nope. Josh? Um, I'm having a hard time with this. I'll be, well, I mean, 
Uh, okay, well, what would have been Greg Hinkle? McKelvey. McKelvey. Greg Hinkle. Oh, Greg Hinkle. Four. Right, Greg yeah, Hinkle got four. Yeah. Greg Hinkle got four. He, he was the most picked artist. Wow. Uh, Look at that. Rookie year. Followed by Sean Phillips with three. Greg Capullo, Jason Latour, Jesus Marino, and Sean Gordon Murphy each had two. Wow. And every other book was a different artist. Um, 30% by these top artists are all, all the picks. So it was a widespread with the artists this year. Wow. I don't know what that means, but that's what it was. So we like to pick number one issues a lot. We had yeah. 15 of them this year, up, oh, from, that's up em- from 12 last year. That's embarrassing. Although a lot of number ones came out. A lot of, yeah, number, sure. lot of image number ones this year. And uh, a lot of Marvel, everybody had number ones this year. That's yeah. true. Everybody rebooted. By publisher, seven of them were from Image, six were from Marvel, two were from DC. And the person who loves number ones the most, which of us loves them the most? This guy. Josh Flanagan with seven. <laughs> he had almost half of all the number one picks. I, I get f- bored. I had five. Ron had two. Paul had one. And actually, only two of these number ones were specials that they, they put number one on, even though they're not never going to continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is actually a really low number for us. So we actually had 13 number one, true number ones picked. Star Wars, Big Man Plans, Invisible Republics, Secret Wars, Where Monsters Dwell, Airboy, Starve, 1872, Tokyo Ghost, Doctor Strange, The Twilight Children, The Vision, and Jupiter's Circle Volume 2. And the uh, the two specials were Criminal Special Edition and the, and the Multiversity Ultra Comics. Those were the number ones. I feel ones. like a new Starve hasn't been out in a while. Anyway. Poss- possibly. And now the big the moment. This is where we decide what the book of the year was by the pick. Uh, we had five books picked more than once this year. Only five. Okay. Anybody want to try to guess all five? Airboy, Astro City, I'm out. <laughs> Southern Bastards. Those are three of the five. Um, the Batman. Batman and The Fade Out. You guys yep. all five. Wow, look at us. And who would like to guess the number one book? Airboy. 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 Airboy right. had four, followed by Astro City with three, Batman with three, Southern Bastards with two, and the Fade Out with two. Well, I mean, the thing that about Airboy is that's 100%. Right. It did four yeah, issues, yeah. four consecutive issues. All of them got, that's never happened. Well, not only was it picked the most, not only was it the artist with the most, but it was a 100% pick rating. So it has to be, by default, the book of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. So those are the picks by the numbers. By the numbers uh, and by the con, like we would have all said that by whatever weird content yeah. we used to judge. Right, we're yeah. all on board with that. So there you go. Cool. Another year in the books. Our tenth year. Well, kind of, sort of. Yes, yeah. it's our tenth so, year. Yeah, we started, well, we started in 05, in, and this is the end of. Yeah, 15. well, we started in October 05, so. And yeah. it's it's beyond October 15th. So all right, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. So, cool. All right. Well, that said, we can't stop podcasting. Even though it's Don't killing us. How. Even though it's killing us. It's quite literally killing us. So if you haven't listened to our special edition podcast about Jessica Jones, the Netflix TV show, you need to uh, put down this podcast and go listen to it. Um, purely, I, haven't, I haven't? have to. I'm way behind. Yeah. Jessica. Josh doesn't listen unless he's on it. Yeah. No, I, no, I love listening when I'm not on it. But I'm way behind just in podcasts in general. I, yeah. This was a bad time for Star Wars Minute to come back. That's all I know. It really well, I agree. Yeah, but it's been enjoyable. But anyway, um, so go back and listen to our Jessica Jones podcast where me, Connor, and our good friend Mike Romo talk about the uh, Netflix TV series for about an hour and the magic of David Tennant. So uh, go do that. Jessica. You can also we've, – we've alluded to this several times in this episode, and I think we're going to keep doing that until the show's over. Someday. Uh, Goodfellas Minute is our, our other podcast that we do where we analyze the movie, uh, Martin Scorsese movie, Goodfellas, one minute at a time, five days a week. Um, and it's good. 
I'm going to say it's a good show. We have fun doing it. Uh, it's a different show than this. Uh, and I'm, I'm still not sick of Goodfellas. Not even close. Yeah, not at all. Yep. Uh, Get that at goodfellasminute.com. You can listen to it every weekday. This is the last show of the year, but it's not the last podcast of the year. I've still got a couple more for you. Uh, if you're listening to this show the day it comes out, then you can expect the podcast about Star Wars The Force Awakens within about 24 hours, 36 hours. We're going to ish. Ish. We're trying to get it out as soon as humanly possible. It'll probably be Monday the 21st, but late, late in the evening. Uh, as soon as it's done, we're going to slap the music on it and put it out for you. So look for the Star Wars The Force Awakens very, very soon. And then one uh, week later, all the year-end all-media show, which we love to do, three hours of discussion about all our favorite stuff from media this year that comes out on December 27th in the usual time slot that the Pick of the Week does. And then the Pick of the Week show returns January 10th. Hopefully slightly more healthy. Oh, yeah. If we're not healthier by then, then... I'm not going to be healthy by then, but oh, I hope to be healthier er by then, yeah. yes. <laughs> so, well, hopefully we can make it, Connor. I'm, I'm pulling for you. In the meantime, head over to iFanboy.com to comment on this show and find all the other podcasts we just mentioned. Jessica Jones, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, The Year in All Media Show. All those can be found on iFanboy.com. You can't find Goodfellas Minute there, but that's what GoodfellasMinute.com is for. Talk, uh, talk about this week's books. Talk about the movies you've seen. Talk about anything you want over at iFanboy.com. You can follow us at Facebook.com slash iFanboy and at iFanboy on Twitter. That's how you can find out what the book pick of the week is before the comes, show comes out. And you can follow us individually at J.A. Flanagan, at C.S. Kilpatrick, and at RonXO. Yes. And if you like the show, uh, please do us a favor and tell a friend. Uh, go down to your comic book store and tell everybody, you know, if, you, if you're if you one of the, the type who go on Wednesday and chat about this week's books, be like, you know, hey, if you like this conversation, you should go listen to iFanboy. They do it every week. Um, also, you can go to iTunes and write a review uh, for this show, for Goodfellas Minute, for Star Wars Minute, for any, I don't know, any other comics podcast anymore that are left. So, but, comics. If you yeah, eleven o'clock comics yeah. If you like a good uh, if you like a good comic book podcast or any podcast, go write a review on iTunes. It helps to spread the word and for those shows to grow audiences. And we thank everybody who's done it. So that's going to wrap it up for this week's show, and it's also yeah. going to wrap it up for 2015 in terms of comics. And Just before uh, we go, and this is really important, Johnny yep. M, do not watch the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> no, watch. The, I think you. I think you should watch the holiday special, Johnny. I think don't listen to Josh. You should. It's a horrible. It's fantastic. It's Be famously honest. horrible. It's famously it's, horrible. It's already, it's, Horrible. He's twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. he's not going mean, to get the irony here, Josh. If you're into drugs. Maybe give it a shot, but otherwise, stay away. Yeah. All right. So, with that word of advice, until 2016, I'm Ron. I am Connor. For now. <laughs> That's ominous. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not feeling well. <laughs> I can't guarantee it. <laughs> I can't guarantee I'll be Connor tomorrow. My fanboy got dark at the end of the year. Yeah, and all the shows <laughs> after that were pre-recorded. If they're not dead, <laughs> Merry Christmas. I could have been someone Well, so could anyone You took my dreams from me When I first found you I kept them with me, babe I put them with my own Can't make it all alone I built my dreams around you the boys of the NYPD choir were singing Galway Bay And the bells were ringing out for Christmas Day And the bells were ringing out for Christmas Day